Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I'm your host, Jared Weich, episode 206. No Dom this week, but I am joined by Max Roberts. How's it going, Max? It's going well, Jared. How are you? I'm doing good. Last time we talked, we had our spoiler cast for The Last of Us Part 2. Seems like a lifetime ago in quarantine, doesn't it? I, not really, because I just restarted The Last of Us Part 2 this week, so... <laughs> it, <laughs> It was uh, it was good having you on that. I, that was our first spoiler cast we'd ever done. Um, in the coming weeks, Dom and I are doing a video game book club kind of thing where we're playing through Tell Me Why chapter by chapter and talking about it. So that's going to be really cool. Gotcha. That um, will be cool. Which is obviously Donod's new game that I think is exclusive on Xbox and PC. I, th- I, I believe so. I, yeah. I, I definitely know it's on Xbox. And if it's on Xbox, it's probably on PC. Yeah, yeah for sure. Especially if it's an Xbox exclusive at this point. Anyways... I know you guys are wondering, what are you guys going to talk about? What news could have happened this week? Uh, you know, Nintendo had this small little direct, uh, which is pretty accurate for what I'm saying, but some really cool announcements in it. But PlayStation also had an event, obviously. Going in, we had assumed that they were going to announce the price, date, and pre-order. Two of those things, uh, two of those things happened. Um, bunch of game announcements. We're going to run through them. And the way we're going to structure it is... You know, normally you would go and put the information that we found out after the show into it as it flowed through. But I want to go through the show itself and what we found out and then say what happened afterwards because uh, quite a bit happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. In terms of the information and how is it dispersed and pre-orders and it's a big old mess. Um, But I'm glad to have Max here to talk about it because outside of the Last of Us spoiler cast, you were also here when the PlayStation 5 was revealed, at least the way it looked. So... Kind of a bookend here. You know, you're here when it was revealed. Now you're here when we're getting the price and date. So it feels, feels good. Yeah, I'm excited. It, it's funny how things work out like that. So the first thing isn't super concrete. I just thought it was very odd. Um, and basically some rumors began swirling once again. Uh, this had happened a couple of months ago. Uh, from NintendoEverything.com and we uh, we got that covered.com, which I know aren't the sites of sites. But they have a decent track record. But, um, yeah, these rumors came up that Netflix is trying to work with Nintendo on a Legend of Zelda, either TV series or film. And that's not too surprising. We've heard about Nintendo trying to work with Netflix to some capacity on whether it's animated or live action stuff, right? And Legend of Zelda, we've heard that rumor for a while. The weird thing attached to this is that I guess they're eyeing Tom Holland to play Link, which is (laughs) weird. Um, If you didn't know, Tom Holland's already apparently filming uh, the Uncharted film um, with Mark Wahlberg. And see, the thing is, I love Tom Holland as an actor. I think he's a fantastic actor. This is just a weird to me. Um, not that he couldn't play a good Link. It's just like Link never really talks. And, yeah. you know, we, there's, there's been this discussion of like, if there's a live action Legend of Zelda, how is that going to be handled? Like, can you really have a silent protagonist in like a TV series? And you're not going to cast, say Tom Holland is cast, you're not going to cast him to be silent. And it was really weird. Like I said, there's not a whole lot of um, ground that this, these rumors stand on as of yet. But how does this hit you? The idea of a Legend of Zelda live action series with Tom Holland set to star. Because with this too, Max, it could be a mishandling of maybe the information they're getting. Like maybe it is an animated series and they want Tom Holland to voice Link, right? Because right. he's done voice acting as well. This whole thing, how does it sit with you? Is it weird? I It just reminds me of that... Uh really old IGN April Fool's prank where they showed off a live action Legend of Zelda trailer oh, yeah. that they filmed. Um, I mean, Zelda is always one of the things that Nintendo 
like always gets associated with movies or TV for Nintendo, that and Mario. And we know that they are making a Mario animated film with the people, um, Illumination over at Universal. They've um, most famously are responsible for a Despicable Me and the Minions and stuff. So, I mean, it, Nintendo definitely is trying to spread their IP around more than just their games. I mean, they've been doing that for years and now Nintendo the theme park. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they've got the theme park. They've got uh, this movie that will eventually come out. Um, and, you know, I could see them teasing Zelda. I would much prefer it to be an animated show, kind of like the Castlevania show on Netflix. So maybe there's, uh, they could look at that. Um, Tom Holland, again, yeah, he's a good actor. I want to see that new Netflix movie's in. That I already forget the name of, but he devil has a all the time. Accent. Have it queued yeah. up, ready to watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to watch that, and um, you know, the Uncharted movie if it ever comes out, I definitely will see it. Um, more out of a, a curiosity for just kind of the mess that this movie is, sort of like uh, New Mutants, but um, not so much because I love Uncharted. But we'll see, we'll see how it all shakes out. I mean, if a Zelda show comes out, I'll give it a shot. But I'm not holding on to any hope that this uh is going to pan out anytime soon. And like with the Uncharted movie, just because Tom Holland's a good actor doesn't mean that film's going to be good. I mean, Alicia Vikander in the Tomb Raider film, right? So a lot mm. of moving parts there. I'm not a big Mark Wahlberg guy. I actually kind of don't like, if he's in a movie, it's kind of a... I don't I'm remember the last Mark Wahlberg movie I saw. It honestly may have been one of the Transformer movies. To your point, That's though, of it being uh, wanting to be animated, I would love if they got the same people who did the opening cinematic to the Link's Awakening remake. Um mm. Where he's obviously on his that, ship. Yeah, that the that art style, yeah. I, it was just really beautiful. I don't know if that would work, obviously, for a mass audience, but I, I, I'm with you. I would prefer animated over live action. Also because Link has one of those classic suits that I don't think translates well to live action. I think if Tom Holland like tries real something, clothes? they're either going to manipulate it and modernize it so much that it doesn't really look like Link, right? Or they're going to be so authentic to it that it comes off like corny and a little cringy. So... Mm-hmm. I would much prefer a live action, um, but we'll see. I just thought it was a weird rumor. Obviously, not a whole lot of likes to stand on there, but very weird. Uh, next up, I wanted to do a quick review roundup for Spelunky 2. Um, if listeners didn't know, Spelunky, the first game, is one of my personal favorite games of all time. I put so many hundreds of hours into that game, and it kind of broke my heart when I found out that the sequel is PlayStation 4 exclusive as somebody who primarily plays on Xbox. And Sorry. I'm also somebody who likes achievements. So I'm kind of waiting for when this game comes over. Uh, but that being said, it recently got all of its reviews to come out, and it's doing very well. It's currently at a 90 on Metacritic, 88 on OpenCritic, and on OpenCritic, 94% of those critics recommend it. So, um, yeah, I just... It's, it's phenomenal. Huh? It's. I was just going to say it's supposed to be. I, I've played very little Spelunky, but I was watching the streams when they launched... Um, I watched Grand Pooh Bear play and stuff, but yeah, Spelunky Two is supposed to be uh, pretty great. That's uh, every, that's what everyone's saying. Well, yeah, between that and then, uh, obviously, Rogue Legacy Two is set to come out. So these roguelites are the, the sequels to the ones that people love, right? It's interesting to see how well they do because it is a lot to live up to. Mossmouth uh, is a small developer; it's one guy. Um, so. I, I, I'm assuming based on Spelunky's success, he probably hired outside resources to help him finish this game, but it's pretty much his vision from the get-go. And I wanted to go through a couple of reviews here from different um, websites, um, mm-hmm. kind of praising the game and letting people know what it's accomplishing with its uh, 
second release. So first up, we have Mitchell Saltzman over at IGN. He gave it a 10, and he says, quote, Splunky 2 is an addictive, is as addictive an experience as I've played this year. Two-minute long runs stacked to turn into consecutive hours of gameplay, and just one more try easily turns into an afternoon of exploring, dying, and trying again. Splunky 2 is at once captivating, stressful, and exciting, and even now I can't wait to once again test my mettle within the cave's ever-shifting walls. So if you didn't know with Spelunky, one of the things that the reason it captured an an audience and a community is that it has a lot of these built-in secrets, right? That aren't necessarily explained to the player. uh, And they're either mechanic-driven interactions between items in certain areas of levels, or they're just things that... It's one of those things in a video game where you don't understand how somebody figured it out. You have to do this, and then you have to come over here and do this, and you have to do this. And then they write the guide and put it online, right? On game facts mm-hmm. or something. And then you're like, Oh, how, how did somebody figure this out? You know, it's it, crazy. Um, it reminds me of the old days of playing video games where you would talk about your friends. You'd go over and watch them do something. And then you'd go home and try to do it. I remember that with star Fox 64. It was like, how do I get to these other planets? And you just talk to people. And this, I think Spelunky has clearly seems to have the same lineage. Yeah, I mean, everyone remembers uh, the rumor with uh, Pokemon Red and Blue where if you go to that truck right outside of Pallet Town, underneath that truck, if you spin around and move and do all this stuff, a mule will spawn and you can capture your mule. You know what I mean? All these weird little recess secrets. I've been to the truck. I've I've tried to push the (laughs) truck. It does not work. But you can get a mule in that game. That's just not the way to do it. Uh, So, yeah, Mitchell Saltzman gave it a 10 over IGN. I wanted to go to Game Informer where Brian Shea give it a nine. Um, so a little bit lower of a score, but obviously nine is an incredible score for a video game. And he says, quote, Splunky 2 takes everything that made the original great and expands upon each of those individual aspects without ever overcomplicating the elegant retro simplicity of its 2D platforming. It doesn't do much to win over people who already weren't fans of the original's unforgiving difficulty, but as someone who is more than 200 runs in and feels like he's only scratched the surface, Splunky 2 is a game that I could see myself playing for a long, long time. Great for my ears. Uh, as somebody who loves Spelunky and loves the difficulty, uh, that's why I love you know the Dark Souls games. I just love really difficult video games, and Spelunky scratched that itch in a new way, a 2D platformer. I'm glad to hear that it's more of the same. It is a sequel, though, Max, that I assume would be this way, as Brian Shea says, where if you didn't already like the first one, you're not. they're not trying to change the formula here. You know what I mean? They're trying mm-hmm. to evolve what was there, but they're not going to win over people who didn't like the first one. And as somebody like you said, who hasn't played a, a lot of it, where do you sit? Do you think you might try the first one again to see if you can actually get a hook into it before you even attempt to check out the sequel? Uh, I could. I, I'm just playing other stuff right now, and I'm, I'm yeah. tr- I've tried to re- rein in a little bit the uh, picking up games right away when I know I'm doing other stuff. So I'm not totally turn off maybe if it goes on sale eventually which i'm sure it will at some point i'm not like opposed to the idea i've i'm a you know a big hotline miami fan which is a lot of repetition and dying quickly and stuff it just i think i got to get into it and when i tried spelunky it was close to the ps4 launch or something at that point it felt like spelunky had i felt like i couldn't catch up not that that's the way it should work anyway like you learn as you go but i just i felt like it was a kind of a daunting game when you see other people playing it so well. Um, and obviously Splunky 2 being so fresh, it's a great place to get in on the ground floor, but um, I'll, I'll eventually will probably pick it up down the line. 
So maybe if it uh, comes to Switch. An interesting thing is the reason I got so into Spelunky is there was a point in time where there was an internet outage in the area I lived and it was a bunch of stuff that happened to where we wouldn't have internet for like, I think it was like two weeks, right? So me being somebody who plays video games, losing my mind, and I play a lot of multiplayer titles, right? Not having internet, can't really do that. So for those two weeks, Max, I played nothing but Spelunky and Assassin's mm -hmm. Creed uh, Origins for two weeks straight. Um, good two going weeks. back and forth, just run, getting runs in on Spelunky and then moving over and exploring Egypt. And uh, yeah, it was not having the internet too was cool because I played through Spelunky. I found out some of the like cool interactions and secrets, right? But then the moment I had my internet back, I started Googling everywhere of like, well, what <laughs> happens if you do this? Or what happens if you do that? Because it also is a game where you have unlockable characters you have different paths you can have multiple endings you know it's a it's a roguelike and you the cool thing with spelunky is it's not one where every time you die you keep like gear and stuff which is a neat right. aspect of those type of games it's the experience you gather right so it's not tied to any items in the game you just learn and uh yeah i absolutely loved it and i'm excited for the second one but like i said i'm personally holding out for when it gets ported over to xbox and what i'm really hoping for is by that time they're just like, okay, not only is it coming over to Xbox finally, you're getting your PS5 port, you're getting your Xbox Series X port, right? That's going to be yeah. awesome. Hopefully that happens, and we'll see. Um, that's it for Splunky 2. I'm just sad that I won't be able to play for a while, but it is what it is. <laughs> like you said, we're going to have plenty of stuff to play. I don't need to worry about it. Um, mm -hmm. Let's get to this a Nintendo September Partner Direct Mini Showcase Double whatever 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 very long title yes nintendo's been been doing these recently where they're not their proper nintendo directs but their partner showcases for third-party titles some of them they vary some of them have been okay here's a bunch of updates on games you already knew about and some of them have been here's a bunch of games you don't know about and we kind of don't know what we're getting going in which is interesting and exciting in its own right but obviously the internet is the internet and they're often disappointed by having expectations that are unreasonable at best um yeah, on the 17th of September, the day after the PlayStation Network, which we're going to talk about shortly, Nintendo hosted a new partner direct showcasing new video game announcements from third-party partners. We're going to get to what was shown. Um, I don't know necessarily where your interests lie on these games. Uh, Max, but feel free to chime in if I mention a game that you're excited for or want to say something about. So first up, we had Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, they showed off dog mounts in the game, and the new big mechanic is wall climbing. You have this attachment where you can hook it to walls and climb up the side of walls. It's set for a September or sorry, March 26, 2021 date, um, which we'll get to later about that specific date. It's kind of interesting for Nintendo in general. But um, this is the first proper new Monster Hunter game on the Nintendo Switch. They obviously had Generations X, which was a port that came over. But this is the first, you know, we didn't get Monster Hunter World on the Switch. I'm interested as somebody who was never into the Monster Hunter games because I heard about how obtuse and odd they were to get into if you were already a fan max monster hunter world brought me into that world because it honestly to put it it's its most specific definition of why monster hunter world was successful is that it was easy on the western audience like it, it brought everyone in is like yo this is monster hunter it's not super complicated just go in pick your weapon have fun hunt monsters right so yeah I'm interested to see how classic or modern Monster Hunter Rise is based on how it works with the Western audience. 
I'm hoping it's closer to what Monster Hunter World is. But if these reviews come out and they're like, okay, it harkens back to what people love most about Monster Hunter, that's great for those type of fans. But I think I'm possibly going to pass on it just because that's not what I want out of Monster Hunter. Mm. Um, what did this do for you? Do you have any history with Monster Hunter at all? Absolutely none. No. Uh, it's a series that I hear a lot about in the people talk about it almost the kind of the way I would talk about maybe destiny to someone in the sense of you need a friend who already knows the ins and outs of this game and have them bring you along and teach you the way it goes. And destiny is a little bit, obviously a little bit more um, open and forgiving to new players, but monster. I've always heard. It's just kind of like uh, you need a friend who's into it and I don't have any friends who are into it. And I'm I'm okay with that. I don't need to hunt giant monsters. I've got, there's plenty of other things I could play. Um, and th- yeah, I, I've heard the same stuff, and that's why it was when Monster Hunter World was introduced and announced, I was so happy because everything coming out of the early impressions were, you know, this is something that people, this is a jumping on point for new players, right? And as somebody mm-hmm. who had never played a Monster Hunter game up until that point, I got into that game by myself, and I had an absolute blast. Finished the campaign, leveled up my character. I just thought it was a good time. Um, it, it's one of those games growing up and you probably had the same thing where you'd go to like the local grocery store and you'd see a video game magazine and you'd flip through the pages and you'd see these screenshots and you're like, that's like my dream video game. Mm-hmm. But obviously you never had the income to like buy it or super interest into getting it. And then you maybe forgot about it. And that's what monster hunter was because as a kid, I would see these screenshots of like, there's this video game where you just go out and hunt giant creatures and there's like dinosaurs and stuff. And I was so intrigued. But I just never had it in my mind when I was either buying games or just was, you know, I wasn't a Nintendo kid, so I didn't have like the systems growing up and the attachment to it. But it definitely was a video game magazine franchise that I was hooked to, you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. cool. Um, but yeah, this is going to sell really well. Obviously, most things on Nintendo Switch sell really well. And I think the Monster Hunter audience is happy that they have their first new game in the franchise on the Switch. Speaking of new Monster Hunter games, we're also getting Monster Hunter Stories 2 in summer 2021. Monster Hunter Stories is a game that came out on the 3DS family of systems. And the one thing I was disappointed with here, Max, is I was hoping for after this announcement, or maybe even the, during the Monster Hunter Direct that took place after this Nintendo Direct, hey, announcement, the first Monster Hunter Stories is coming to Switch, right? In some kind of port or something. Didn't yeah. happen, which kind of sucks because... This is a narrative-focused game, and I do like the art style of Monster Hunter Stories too. And I was hoping that, man, if they announce this game today, the first one coming over to Switch, I might hop in because of this announcement, right? And now yeah. that it's we don't have any idea if it's getting ported over, despite my interest in this, I kind of don't want to get into it if I don't have a chance to play the first one. And I know people can say, well, just dig out your 3DS, yada, yada, yada. And for me personally, at this point, I don't want to, you know what I mean? That's my option is I don't want to dig up my 3DS and play a game on there. Um, right. So, yeah. So these games are um, narratively tied together. They're not like Pokemon per se, where they're not entirely connected, but you know, it's, they're just more stories. So Monster Hunter Stories 2 is a direct narrative sequel to Monster Hunter Stories 1. That's my understanding yes okay i don't want to I, that, no, that I, I just i didn't know yeah. if it was more like this is just the second game new story new or fire emblem you know new watching game, new reactions to it uh, especially people like from easy allies that know monster hunter like especially like ben right yeah. from easy allies 
um, the way he was talking about it seemed like an extension of the story because in okay. the trailer too, they talked about how the character got one item and now they're getting gifted a Rathalos egg. And that's like the big thing for Monster Hunter stories too. So yeah. I do think it directly connects to the first one. Like I said, not a hundred percent certain, but that's my understanding of it. And that's the bummer of the, you know, it not getting ported over is because if it was more of a final fantasy type thing, right. Where it takes place in the same like multiverse or whatever, um, mm. the same ish lore, but it's a different story completely. Then it's like, whatever. And maybe they explain that maybe there was a misunderstanding. It isn't tied. And if that's the case, I'm interested. I like the art style. So we'll see what happens next up. Disguise six defiance of destiny. As someone who isn't super familiar with the disguise series, obviously I've heard the name, I guess a big thing for people here is that this is the first non-sprite title. So the characters aren't sprites. Um, they're actually like 3D modeled characters. And this is coming out summer 2021 as well. So that, you know, between March and the summer is building up for Nintendo with a lot of releases. And I guess other people were saying that they were shocked that this is coming out so soon after Disgaea 5, um, which is nice. I wish we had somebody like Elisa on the show that's very familiar with JRPGs because I think mm -hmm. at this point it's like, Max, what do you have to say about this series you probably never played? Jared, what do you have to say? You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it's like. I I have no tie to this guy at all. What I will say is I remember when Pokemon finally had their first characters that weren't uh, sprites, and I was excited about that. So <laughs> I understand that you know evolving of a franchise. So that's really cool. Next up, one of the first Shadow Drops, Hades by Supergiant Games, uh, dropped the day of the presentation, which was the 17th. This is another game in the Spelunky 2 realm, Max, where I'm just mm -hmm. waiting for it to come to Xbox, and then I'm going to play the mess out of it. I like <laughs> Supergiant Games a lot. Uh, obviously, this game had to be on PC for a while in beta, and people were wondering when it's going to come to other platforms. I believe it was announced for PlayStation as well, right? Like a while back, or am I misremembering that? I'm honestly not sure. I, I can't say either way, but I can look that up. Yeah, maybe it was a Nintendo thing. Because I remember look Googling when is it coming to Xbox because it was finally coming to a platform that wasn't PC. And it might have been PlayStation or it might have been announced for Nintendo and today they were just announcing it's a release date. That could be the thing. That might be what it is. Um, that Nintendo announced Hades will eventually come to Nintendo Switch and then today we finally, or the day of the presentation, we finally got the date um but yeah hades it super looks cool. looks like it's coming in possibly the back half of this year maybe this yeah. is very quickly what i'm finding <laughs> what you're figuring out yeah, um, the yeah. but it's um it's a game that i've definitely had my eye on from its original announcement um but unfortunately like spelunky 2 i'm playing other stuff right now like i just don't need to um buy another game right now that I'm not going to touch for a while. I'm trying to keep the backlog semi-maintained. So I know Hades will be there when I want to play it, but I think it looks great. Um, so I'm really stoked that it is out finally as a 1.0. And to my point with Spelunky 2, I'm hoping by the time it comes to Xbox, it's the, hey, here's an update for next-gen systems as well. Right. So I'm hoping with, with a lot of these games of like, I'm not going to play you now. Hopefully by the time I get around to you, I can just buy the next gen version and get all the bells and whistles. Even Pat. if it's just the natural boost that they get from the PS5 and Xbox Series X, right? Not like a ground mm -hmm. up like upgrade. Um, either way, I, I'm just that's like, my oh, that's my exact logic with Cyberpunk. I'm like, I can wait for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, what day did Cyberpunk come out? 
I think September something. Like no, November nineteenth. It was originally oh, September, November. and then it got pushed because oh, it was yeah. going to release next to Avengers, right? Marvel's Avengers, and then it got pushed. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um. I see. I've see. I don't even know when Cyberpunk's coming. What well, the, the interesting thing there is, they've said that you can put the disc into your PS5 and Xbox Series X day one, and it'll get the natural boosted enhancements. But I'm still waiting on. I have a feeling that they're going to announce because of their marketing partnership with Xbox. The Xbox might get that actual upgrade sooner. You know what I mean? Like the actual like, version. Um, but we'll see there. Uh, next up, speaking of Xbox, it was a game that was originally showcased at the Xbox showcase, Balan Wonderworld, which I always think is Balan Wonderland. Um, that mm-hmm. game looks way rougher on the, on the Switch, which isn't surprising because obviously the hardware it's being, being put onto you. But that one also has a release date of March 26, 2021. Same day as Monster Hunter Rise. Um, and there's something I want to talk about when we get to the end of this, because a lot of these dates, you know, the Marches and the Summers, a lot of stuff building up. Interesting talk there. Uh, next up, Rune Factory 5. Once again, a series I know nothing about. I have heard Rune Factory 4 is fantastic, though, even before this presentation. That's a game that, like, I hear the name Rune Factory 4, like, what the hell is this? Everyone's like, oh, it's a fantastic game, great narrative. And then you find out it's like a JRPG. And in my mind, I think Rune Factory 4, I think of like a strategy game where you're setting up like machines and stuff. You know what I mean? Like a factory, like a Rune Factory. Um, like you're building stuff. Exactly. Uh, but Rune Factory 5 looked interesting. Once again, a graphical upgrade, according to fans of number four. Um, it reminds me a lot of Harvest Moon in some ways. Uh, with mm-hmm. the farming aspect and all of that. That's coming out 2021 as well. Once again, no familiarity with the series. I do know Room Factory 4 is on the Switch already, so if you saw that trailer and you're like, hey, I'm excited for that in 2021, you can check out 4 and see if, you know, you're, you build your excitement more, maybe yeah, you if get you, turned off by you... the actual moment-to-moment gameplay. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Did it do anything for you? You familiar with it? Uh, no clue. <laughs> same, I mean, yes, the same situation. I, you know, it does. It did. Most of these games weren't up my alley. It was mostly um, Hades and the final game were the ones that really caught my attention. Well, and that's funny because they were so different than everything else. Everything else is very Japanese centric, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Of the 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 fan base and just the the tone of the genre, whereas like Hades and the game we're about to get to are very much Western. Um, and the last game, Shadow Dropped, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Um, this, I don't think this is too surprising because obviously Ori and the Blind Forest came to Switch. The Shadow Drop was super surprising and awesome. And yeah. I would have to say it's one of the most gorgeous collector's editions I've ever seen from I Am 8-Bit. It's oh, yeah. this box that opens from the top. It's black with like, it looks glow in the dark, but that's probably just the marketing of it. But it's like a shiny, like blue reflective kind of uh detail to it and that collector's edition comes with both games uh physical copies a bunch of art prints it just looks really dope i immediately yeah, went to go google it's... the price and i was like whoa 150 can't afford that with new consoles but that's really cool <laughs> i had the same thought and i do i do appreciate that it is there's a switch collector's edition xbox and pc so you can get it on whatever platform yeah. you prefer um i think even maybe it's not cuz i i haven't um, played Ori, any of them, period. But um, the fact Will of the Wisp runs at a 60 frames per second on the Switch, apparently, uh, d- knowing how good it looks on something like Xbox 
One X. I seriously almost said Series X. Uh, runs on <laughs> Xbox One X. Um, I think it's a crazy awesome that they were able to optimize it down and get it to run at the 60. I wonder what sacrifice on the fr- um, the resolution side it takes on the Switch, especially in handheld mode. But Oh, probably big, I, but... Yeah. yeah. I do love that they were able to... Because the gameplay is the one of the key elements in that, besides just the art style. But being able to get it to run at 60, I think, is great. And the fact that you can play both Ori games on the Switch, especially because Will of the Wisp launched earlier this year like march, march right yeah yeah so just to get it six seven eight months later i think is really great especially for anyone that only played it on the switch and thought they'd have to wait a while for the sequel uh it's really good for them and it, it yeah i'm I, i'm glad it's there well the cool thing with will of the wisps too is that it's the only game that i've seen and i, I could be totally wrong but between playstation and xbox it's the one game that is very clearly communicated. This is what this game currently runs at, looks at, does. And this is the the literal improvements it's going to have on action, right? Because they talked about the 120 frames. And they actually oh, showed yeah. it side by side being played. And it's a game, like I said, I'm addicted to, to getting uh, achievements. I finished that game. I loved it. It's one of my Game of the Year contenders, personally. Um but I'm waiting to go and clean up achievements and stuff for the Xbox Series X version. It's almost as if I yeah. had themed this podcast of waiting for things to get their update. It's um, just that point in the generation period where we are at the wait and see kind of point for a lot of games and consoles. Yeah. Uh, before we close out this Nintendo thing real quick, I wanted to talk about... We've been hearing all of these rumblings and rumors about a new Nintendo Switch coming out in the early part of next year. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, what do you think about these new release dates kind of culminating with that? Obviously it's the end of the fiscal year too, so that could totally be it. But all of these like, you know, March 26 dates and the summer dates, do you think there is some uh proof there in the pudding of this new switch uh skew? Uh, you know, I hadn't thought of it like that. I I would uh I would lean toward no because these are third-party titles. Um and obviously Nintendo's hasn't really talked beyond February 2021 of their own first party stuff with Super Mario 3D World uh, being kind of the furthest out release. Um, if I had to put money on anything, I think they would launch the upgrade Switch, Switch Pro, what have you, uh, with Breath of the Wild 2. I think they want a big title with it. And... um. I don't know. I feel like if Breath of the Wild was coming out in seven months, we'd know. Or six months. I mean, but March is, is not Isn't there a kind of argument there that Nintendo seems to have done an approach where they're not announcing anything until it's like close to release because they're just unsure, right? Well, I, sometimes you're right. Yes, they usually have played. They've played a lot closer to the chest than they did with Wii U. Um, no, I'm talking about in like the, recent months, right? Because we had Paper right. Mario. Oh, yeah. Pikmin, Pikmin got its uh, bump. Um, look at Paper Super Mario, Mario was like a month, right, or two months. Yeah, Paper Mario was a few months. So definitely, they have been playing things close to the chest. The outliers are like Metroid Prime Four and Bayonetta Three. Um, I'm talking about like in a, in a a COVID world now, right, where we're yeah. still going to be into this by the time Breath of the Wild Two comes out, if it were to come out in March or whatever. So this could just be their trend, uh, either way, right? Of like, yeah, we're not going to yeah. announce it, and especially, you know. Paper Mario or whatever, or even Pikmin, those don't necessarily need the marketing buildup. 
And in the opposite way, Breath of the Wild 2 doesn't necessarily need a elongated uh, marketing buildup because it's going to sell the, either way, right? The only... It, it's just going to sell either way. The only catch is next year is the 35th anniversary of Zelda and Metroid. But Metroid's going to get nothing. And the last time they had a Zelda game come out on a big milestone anniversary was Skyward Sword um, with, I believe, the 25th, I think. Was that or the 30th? I get my years mixed up. Anyway, and they beat the drum. I mean, super hardcore. And I think they are going to pump up Breath of the Wild 2 well before its launch. So I, my, my only counter argument is to celebrate <laughs> the Mario anniversary. They announced the game a week before it came out. But I, I, I think that is due to COVID stuff because the Mario remaster or the Mario collection and 3D World were rumored at the beginning of oh, this yeah, year. Oh, yeah, for ages. Yeah, and yeah. then E3, you know, obviously that fell to nothing. Um, so I really do think, unfortunately, Mario didn't get as big of a drum up as it would have, especially when you look at how much was in that one direct Um you could think of the Age of Calamity Hyrule Warriors game was also going to be part of their E3. You've got the Mario Lego set. Like, they had a lot of Mario stuff this year, and I think they've had to, un- for them, unfortunately, trickle the news out more piecemeal than put it all in one big show where they presumably were going to do it. And I there guess were rumors my- that even 3D World was delayed to February because of um, development issues during uh, COVID. I guess my only argument is, like, I'm with you on that, and, like, my assumption is they're just going to continue being this way for a while. So I do think there is a chance Breath of the Wild 2 comes out and they just have a more close to the vest approach where we could see them announce it in January, right? And then it comes out in March mm. because of the way they're handling things now. Um, I'm with you. I don't believe Breath of the Wild 2 comes out next year, um, maybe the fall, but I do think there's a way it could happen and have the short marketing cycle based on the patterns they've showed since we've entered this whole situation in 2020, you know, mm-hmm. but who knows? Cause we, we, we haven't to your point though, we haven't had a major new Nintendo release since this. We don't know how they're going to handle that. Like I know people love paper Mario. That's not on the same basis, a brand new legend of Zelda premium title or a super Mario game, right? Like the 3d collection's cool, but it's not odyssey Two. Right. So we don't know how they're going to handle their next big release. Are they going to handle it the same way? Are they going to go back to how it is normally and have a big buildup? Who knows? Yeah. And it it also, and then it just ties back into this upgraded console to kind of, we just got to see how it shakes out. But I, I don't think we're going to get a switch pro before March. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. We'll see. So Um, I can't wait to come back in, February to talk about the Switch Pro that was announced. <laughs> I'm hoping I don't have to buy a Switch Pro. I mean, I don't have to, but I'm hoping I'm no. not tempted to buy a Switch Pro in March because I might be buying one of the new next-gen consoles in March, and we'll talk about that uh, coming up now. So the PlayStation 5 had its September 2020 showcase event. Uh, they held it on the 16th of September, in which it was assumed they would announce the price, release date, and pre-order info of the PlayStation 5 alongside numerous game announcements and updates. What we're going to do is we're going to get into what was shown at the actual event, talk about those. Then we're going to talk about everything that happened afterwards, <laughs> which I, uh, yeah. in my opinion, I think everything that happened afterwards is much more interesting, but everything that happened in the show is much more exciting. And uh, yeah, let's get to it. First off, they started the show stating what you're about to see is going to be 
shown on a PC meant to emulate the PlayStation 5 experience. It was the only game that had this because afterwards there was a message of everything from now on is played on the PlayStation 5. So they started off with the Final Fantasy 16 reveal. Obviously at the top they announced that this was being played on a PC meant to emulate the PS5 experience. Every other thing shown after this was on the PS5 itself and they made a note accordingly. But Final Fantasy 16 uh, looked really interesting. It returned to its high fantasy roots, which the audience is divided on. Some people like the futuristic cyberpunky style. Some people have been wanting it to go back to the high fantasy approach where it's a, you know more of an emphasis on magic and dragons and all of that. Um, the weird thing is that people are speculating, Max, that this might be a story where you play as rival families, right? The, the Romeo and Juliet style of storytelling where you play from different perspectives and kind of see that there's really no bad guy in the end. It's just different perspectives on something. And the reason people think that is um, some of the themes in the trailer uh, and the characters you're introduced to, as well as the logo itself for Final Fantasy 16. Normally the logos have in the beautiful art style, some characters thrown in there as well. But this one specifically has a Titan and a Phoenix uh, kind of fighting each other, just two creatures so people are wondering if maybe that's meant to emulate the houses, right? Or the different mm. sides of whatever is happening in this game. Um, it was announced as a PS5 exclusive, which we'll get to later. I guess for me, who's somebody... I wasn't very much into Final Fantasy for a long time. Final Fantasy Remake, I played this year. Final Fantasy VII Remake, sorry. Really enjoyed it. I like the combat in that game. Um, obviously, the storytelling is kind of weird and the characters are kind of odd. But... Um, <laughs> The high fantasy well, aspect of Final Fantasy Final 16 fantasy. <laughs> gets me more interested in it because I'm somebody who absolutely loves high fantasy. I'm curious to see how it's going to feel for people who are coming off of the remake who maybe are jumping into Final Fantasy for the first time. And another thing I want to mention, I want to get your opinion on this, Max. For me, it didn't look really like graphically beautiful at all. It kind of looked like a current-gen game. Mm. And... I wonder if that's going to benefit this because normally they look really beautiful and then it takes seven years for them to come out. So I wonder if the compromise they made is like, hey, we're not going to be trying to push the limits of technology, but we're going to get this game out in a reasonable amount of time. I don't know. And I don't want to bash the game because like I said, it looks interesting. It just didn't look, especially with all the other titles we saw in this event, it didn't look graphically jaw-dropping at all. I I took that to mean, because um, I agree, I think it looked... I mean, it looked nice. It just didn't look like something I hadn't seen before. Um, but I, I take that with the the notice at the beginning where it was running on a PC to emulate the PS5 experience. This game is so early in development; they don't even have a build on PS5 yet. Like, <laughs> and that's perfectly fine. Um, Final yeah. Fantasy has a history of announcing their games absurdly early. Um, Which, funny we enough, this are, was the longest we, we know there are at of least hearing about one, right? This is yeah, the longest drop between least, hearing about 16, so. We at least know there's another part of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Like, there's so much stuff in the Final <laughs> Fantasy realm that's just going on. It's totally okay. Um, I'm curious to see what it will look like running on PS5 with, you know, more time in development to update things and just make it look better. It's And optimized, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually super bummed, though, that this leaked before the show maybe like the week of or the week before like there was the leak that final fantasy 16 is going to be the big reveal at the ps5 showcase um not because i'm a huge final fantasy fan but because i know 
how big other people are. Um, yeah. I don't know if you remember, but back uh, a few years ago when Sony even went to E3, uh, they would stream their E3 press conference at movie theaters, like select movie theaters around the country. Yeah. Uh, and I did that every year. And so I was in a movie theater full of people when Final Fantasy VII Remake was announced. And like the energy, I mean, it's probably as close as you get to being in the actual press conference theater. Um, but the energy when a Final Fantasy game is announced is just so big. And I think having it leak so close to its reveal um, kind of took a little wind out of its sail. Um, but me personally, I'm not a huge Final Fantasy person. Um so it's cool, good for them, but uh, I I'm not looking forward to like picking it up or playing it or anything. Yeah, the thing that partially sold me too is the combat, where it's not it doesn't look turn based; it looks more action RPG ish, which kind of harkens to Final Fantasy 15 and 7 remake. And, and I'm intrigued. Kingdom Hearts. My ears are perked up because, like I said, I like high fantasy. The idea of rushing into battle on the backs of chocobos is really funny. I like that the protagonist has like an all white chocobo. It's like you know a, a trope in high fantasy, of like oh, the main character has a horse that doesn't look like any of the other horses. Uh, so I, I'm interested, but like you, know, I'm not super Final Fantasy. Like it's not my main thing, and uh, with it being PS5 exclusive, I'm probably not going to get to it anytime soon. Final Fantasy Remake pulled me away. Final Fantasy VII Remake. I always just say Final Fantasy Remake because it's too many goddamn words. Um, <laughs> but I am going to play that game when it hopefully releases on Xbox next year, right? I. Uh, which game? Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, Seven Remake. I thought you were saying that 16 is coming out next year. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Uh, um, I'm sorry. Uh, no, yeah, you're I'll, fine. Because there is the rumors that the exclusivity ends in April. It might be pushed a month or two because I remember Final Fantasy Seven Remake got like a slight delay too. But anyways, it's like a year exclusivity apparently. Um, that's not here. Then let's get to the back to the PlayStation event. Uh, next up, we had Spider-Man Miles Morales, which this is a thing. If you follow me on Twitter, I've been talking about to you too, Max. Of like, I mean, you and me both were talking title. back and forth. <laughs> yeah, where is the gameplay? Like, this is supposed to come out at launch. Where is the gameplay? And obviously, you're of the opinion of, well, yeah, it's probably not a big game, so they obviously don't want to show a whole lot of it, but we'll likely see it by the time they do this this event that we saw. And I was like, I just want to see it. Like, I'm going to buy this game. I'm going to play this game. Yep. I'm yeah, just, is this game delayed? Like, what's happening exactly? Thankfully, we finally got the extended gameplay of this bridge sequence that's happening between Roxxon and this group run by the Tinkerer, which they're doing something interesting. The Tinkerer is a female in this, which is cool. I like that Insomniac. Mm -hmm. They showed up the first Spider-Man title. They're not afraid to mess with some of the lore in Spider-Man and make it their own, which is really cool. I love that they showed the representation of his Puerto Rican heritage, which is really awesome. They had like the really cool Latino street fair happening in Harlem. Uh, yeah. Genki was there, his best friend. It really gives me the the man the Christmas vibes. Like I could just imagine playing this with snow outside, <sighs> huddling up, playing Spider Man Miles Morales. It's gonna be a good time. Um, mm. And the weird thing too, like I said, we're gonna cover all the updates at the end. So if you're wondering, like, hey, they updated this stuff in the event, they still had Holiday 2020, which at that point we we're like, okay, yeah, they're gonna have the same date because they don't want to reveal the PlayStation Five date. You know, right. five minutes into the presentation. Um, Next up, we have one of the most morally difficult games to be excited about. Um, Hogwarts mm. Legacy was finally shown. This is the action RPG Harry Potter game that was leaked two years ago. 
Funny <laughs> enough, I actually came across that video pretty early on, and I sent it to friend of the show and friend of Max as well, Logan Moore of Dual Shockers, and uh, he was like, "Oh, thanks," and then he ran with it, and I was like, "Damn, that was two years ago. It's crazy." Went completely quiet. We didn't hear anything about it. We finally got this trailer, which is really cool. Um, it's not exclusive, by the way, if people got that interpretation. Didn't say that at all on the show, but some people, I guess, thought because it was a PlayStation show. It's coming out on everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, everything, oh is, yeah. Absolutely everything. It's a Harry Potter game, of course. They you know, make that money. Um, it, I wanted to it, read, because this wasn't explained in the uh, trailer for people who were unsure what kind of game this is. I'm going to read this little blurb on the website real quick. Hogwarts Legacy... <clears throat> Hogwarts Legacy is an immersive open-world action RPG set in the world first introduced in the Harry Potter books. Now you can take control of the action and be at the center of your own adventure in the Wizarding World. Embark on a journey through familiar new locations as you explore and discover fantastic beasts, customize your character and craft potions, master spellcasting, upgrade talents, and become the wizard you want to be. So that's it. It's an open-world action RPG game. It seems that there's some like morality systems in it where, which ironically enough, we'll get to shortly about morality. Um, <laughs> there's some systems in there where you can possibly take your wizard in a positive direction or a darker direction. And you can, you know, figure out your own path as a wizard. And the open world stuff is interesting. I hope we have familiars in this game. Um, you know, you can pick what kind of creature rolls with you at whatever points. What I wanted to talk about, obviously this game looks exciting and, I guess, you know what, before we get into the tougher stuff to talk about, I don't want to not let you have your word. How do you feel about this from just a pure video game standpoint? Did this excite you, Max? Yeah, it did. Um, just because we finally got to see it, you know, it in the reverse of the Final Fantasy reveal, it's like, where is this game? You know, like, where? what happened to this? And I'm just glad that it's finally out in the open um, and honestly, good for Sony for paying up and getting the reveal, like the official reveal trailer in their showcase because, you know, Final Fantasy 16, Spider-Man, Harry Potter, like Hogwarts, really strong way to open the show. They kind of were just like, bam, bam, bam. And even just as for most people, Call of Duty as well, which is next, you know, really strong, just pace and opening. I think the game looks interesting. I want to actually see gameplay and mechanics and things like that um but yeah i think uh, open world harry potter game i think a lot of people have been asking for for a long long time a high quality one too that's not just a licensed title that we've seen in the past um my excitement is because it's wb i would love if in some capacity the nemesis system makes its way in here I would just love that. Uh, even if it's a, a small minor way, I think it'd be really cool. Listed for 2021. But before we move on to the next game, which is Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, we have to talk about the whole JK Rowling situation because it is relevant to this. And I think a lot of people currently are having the internal dialogue of, should I be excited for this game? Should I purchase this game? How should I feel about this? And at the end of the day, she is going to profit from this because obviously she owns the Harry Potter brand. And she if you're not familiar, high. exactly. If you're not familiar, she's made a lot of transphobic comments recently, just completely being on the wrong side of history, which is really heartbreaking to fans of such a really cool series that is inclusive. And, you know, I don't know. It's just her beliefs are so at odds with her books and it's so disappointing. And there's this, you know, the discussion of separating creator from content and what does that mean? And, at the end of the day, you have to make that decision on your own of, you know, do you want to support the developers making this game that put their hard work into it? 
at the same time, you know, giving putting money in the pockets of a transphobic person who's spreading hateful messaging. And I currently am on the on the side of like I don't know what I'm gonna do because and I don't want to turn this podcast super political, but I'm the type of person I don't need a Chick fil A. I have I have mm-hmm. friends that are part of the LGBTQ plus community and Chick fil A actively donates to anti LGBTQ um places and organizations and i don't feel right giving them my money because i don't i don't want to give put money in the pockets of people who are actively trying to make my friends lives worse right i have trans uh transgender friends as well and i don't know if giving jk rowling my money through a video game bothers them or if it does or if it doesn't even matter how they feel if i should just morally not do like it's a very tough thing to come to terms with and i don't know where i'm going to line with this game finally comes out but i do think it was something we had to talk about on the podcast and we can't just brush by it you know yeah i my so for total transparency i all i know is she's been in trouble lately i don't know the extent of what she said or any of the context i just know people are upset with her and um, so I try to filter this through the lens of um, how I felt after watching, um, and I feel really bad. I should have looked up the name of it. I'm forgetting the name of it. But the Michael Jackson HBO documentary with the two now men, but the boys of who were, you know, some of Michael's accusers. It's like a four-hour documentary. I It's something I recommend, but you're not going to leave it feeling great. And, um, you know, Michael's obviously dead. But I have a really hard time listening to Michael's music now after watching that. And, you know, it's probably a little easier with Michael since he's dead. And, I mean, someone's getting his money. But anyway, I try not to, like, actively seek out listening to Michael Jackson music. Um, But with Harry Potter, for this game in particular, hundreds, hundreds of people... I mean, it, it could be over a thousand, depending on if how much they outsource. But let's just say hundreds, hundreds of people have spent clearly years working on this game, and their pay and bonuses are reflected how this game performs. And you know, granted, they need to make a good game and it needs to perform well and uh, perform well technically, and just be fun to play and have a good story and just things you know that you want in a good game. And if they've done that, and they're, you know as a whole, let's just assume good people, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, just trying to yeah. just think holistically here. It's like, do you punish them for one person who technically is not directly involved? She makes money. That's the point. She makes money off of it. And to me, you know, if the game's good and I want to play it, I want to support those people. I think that's the more positive angle to look at because by voting with your wallet on this one, you're also actively hurting Avalanche and Warner Brothers and all of those people. And again, I'm assuming just as a whole, like, you know, they are better. And that's kind of where I land. I, I don't think there's a right answer if, to this, If right? J.K. Like, Rowling came out, if she came out with a new Harry Potter book today, like, I, I'm not going to go buy it. I mean, look at the play. Like, I, I, I didn't want to, well, the book version of the play. I think the play itself is supposed to be actually decent. Um... You know, like Harry Potter to me was something I read up through middle school, high school or whatever. And that's where it stops for me. And then I live in Florida, so I've been to the theme park and it's very nice and cool. You know, dragon shooting fire at you. Yay. But like she is just an author who writes bad murder mystery books now. Like 
she kind of peaked with Harry Potter. And if she was to come out with a new one, I wouldn't go buy it. I, I would be right there with you in the sense of support in that regard. Like, cause that's directly her creative outlet as the, you know, art from the artist, so to speak, or the book from the author. Um, but for a game, I think it's to me, I, I want to look at the people actually making the game, not the person who just created the franchise IP that made it, you know? Yeah. And it is a tough conversation because she's directly profiting of it. So there is that, like line there of you know what I mean I, I I just don't there's not I don't think there's a right answer to this I think there's a case to be made that you can come to terms with it to buy the game and like in from your perspective or you can feel that even just giving her money at all goes against what you believe in and you boycott the game and don't buy it right I don't think there's necessarily a right answer to this I think it's you have oh, to come absolutely. to terms with what it's, you personally want out of it and in the end you do need to vote with your wallet and that's totally up to you and fully within your right i if someone doesn't want her to get a single cent from their pocket, by all means. And buying this game does do that. But if you're more like me, kind of just like a little bit more loose in the middle here, particularly with Harry Potter and just the whole thing as a whole, maybe think of the people that made the game instead of the person who made the IP more so. Because they also, kind of theoretically, if the game's good, deserve your money for the yeah, years but and you could also it. make an argument that by the game selling it introduces more people to the the franchise which then leads to more book sales which then leads to more money in your pocket i suppose you're yes you're technically right but in my head harry potter is just like um you know other major ip like if you don't know about harry potter you're you're under a rock i don't know um, hogwarts legacy is the one that's going to well maybe not it. knowing about it but getting interested in it right some people it, oh absolutely there are games. definitely kids today it, that will see harry potter game and go "Ooh, the oh, smartest move the smartest move they can make and i don't think it's pandering or anything but i, I do I, I would assume that a lot of the developers that are working on this game are just rolling their eyes at jk rowling because they're like you're against everything we stand for and you know what i mean they're just as pissed off about what she's saying and I would absolutely love in the character creator if they had non-binary options, because that would in be one. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, because one, it kind of puts a middle finger up to J.K. Rowling and being like, "Hey, this is our game in the world you created, but this has nothing to do with you." You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. it supports the trans community, and I, it, I think it's a very easy win for them that they can do, and. Maybe it already is in the game, and I'm not trying to say as like, oh, it's going to be a reactionary thing to them. Maybe they, that was their plan all along because they are a progressive development house where they're like, yeah, when we're doing our character creator, we're going to have male, female, non-binary, right? And, right, it, uh, and we all, and unfortunately, we don't know that now. And event whenever it come, whenever they reveal that, because usually games like this, they show off the character creator beforehand. Yeah immediately the lens is going to be, oh, they added that in after the fact, and we won't know unless someone comes out and says it. But um, that's the thing, though, is it doesn't, say. it doesn't, uh, to me, it doesn't matter when they added it, but the fact that oh, they implemented it will be good enough for me, and we'll have the internet vitriol of arguing of, like, well, they just did it as a reactionary move, but I think a larger part of the audience will be like, yeah, fuck J.K. Rowling, <laughs> I'm going to pick a non-binary character because trans people have rights, you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. I, I think that's a, just a, a thing that they should do, and, I mean, the opposite end, if it doesn't have that, I think that could backfire on them as well. Um, but we'll see. Like, it is tough because there's the creators and then there's the, the shithead that created the thing. And it's a very complicated thing. And 
I know some people are going to come down very hard one way or another, and some people are going to fall already, somewhere in the middle. I've already seen a lot of people come down hard on Twitter. Um, yeah. But I, I, like I said, I think it's a personal thing. I think it, it's what everybody feels like. I have friends who go and eat it, like to my previous point, go and eat at Chick-fil-A, and they feel that them giving Chick-fil-A money isn't directly supporting anti-LGBTQ plus stuff. And uh, I have friends who don't like that because they feel that they're they're putting their morality on stake for a chicken sandwich and their opinions overrated but you know it's all it's all personal opinion and you just got to figure out what feels right to you and don't let people make you feel bad for what you decide because at the end of the day there is different perspectives on this um you know we'll see anyways with that out of the way let's kind of move through some of this stuff kind of spent a good amount of time on that that we should have because it is very important uh call of duty black ops cold war we had a story gameplay sequence uh, which was pretty neat. It was an airplane sequence that felt ripped out of the next Fast and Furious film. Um, and then they ended with stating that the multiplayer alpha was going to launch on the 18th, which is the day Max and I are recording this podcast, exclusively for PlayStation, and preloading was available on the 17th. Um, you know, what we expected, Call of Duty has Looks had like their Call partnership deal with PlayStation. Uh, I'm more excited as somebody who plays Warzone multiple times weekly. It's my battle royale of choice. I want to see how that gets updated, the map with the new... So the way the you... Warzone map is built is it's Modern Warfare maps placed in this larger map, right? So you have sections that are like, oh, that's that map. Oh, that's that map. So I'm intrigued to see what Black Ops maps replace the Modern Warfare maps. Like, where's Nuketown mm-hmm. going to be in this giant Verdansk Warzone map? So, Do you... <laughs> What is the color you always complain about? People say it's yellow, oh, but it's really people orange. Say it's, people say it's uh, yellow, and it's clearly orange. Yeah, okay. Um, maybe they'll finally update that for you. Man, so I've you... gone through, and I've gone to Adobe Color Picker, and I've done all this stuff just to make sure I'm not out <laughs> of my damn mind. Like, I have a degree in graphic design. Like, I know colors. You kind of There's this mm-hmm. test you have to do, too, when you're doing graphic design to figure out if you're colorblind or not, because one in three men are colorblind, right? So... I am not colorblind, and that thing is orange. Like, it is orange as orange can be. And people are like, no, that's yellow. And I'm like, on what earth is that yellow? Ah, ugh. Sorry, not to bring it up. Bring up sore spots, <laughs> Max. Uh, yeah, hopefully they fix it. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for Call of Duty. I don't think we have much to say there. Next up, Resident Evil Village, or Resident Evil 8, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Saw some new footage, really cool trailer. Still 2021 vaguely, didn't give any update on a specific window. Um, the Resident Evil 4 vendor tease at the end was cool. So it's not directly that vendor. He looks more like the penguin, whereas the other guy was like a weird <laughs> Dark Souls type vendor. But he had the same kind of growl in his voice. So I, don't, I think it's a loose connection. It's pandering, but in a good way. Yeah. Just what are you selling? What, what does he say in the trailer for Resident Evil 8? It's, he's like, a, if you just look in Window Shop or something like that. Not, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I I know the game is far, is far off, but I really would like to know if it is going to continue VR support. Um, not just solely for PlayStation, um, but, you know, on PC as well. Because uh, Resident Evil 7 is really... I think they already confirmed that, Max. I could be oh wrong. Gosh. But you might want to Google real quick, because I'm pretty I'll sure Google that they it. confirmed that. I'll Google it, but I'm telling you what, I'm really stoked for whatever PSVR 2 turns into, and I would love to play Resident Evil 8 on it. Um, I'll Google around. So just like Final Fantasy VII Remake was my introduction to Final Fantasy, Resident Evil VII was my first time playing a Resident Evil game for me. 
And then I tried Resident Evil Remake, and I didn't like it, and I'd argue that that game doesn't hold up. Uh, but that's just my opinion. Um, but I'm really excited for... And I played RE2 Remake and RE3. I've, I'm going to play RE3 Remake. I have it, I own it. I'm really excited for this. Is you know continuing Ethan's story somewhat. Um, we're probably going to end this game as, of, as Ethan turning into a werewolf of some sort. Um, but yeah, it looks interesting. looks cool. looks spooky. Uh, I'm more intrigued to see if it hits that early time slot we've seen every year for these new Resident Evil games between like February mm. and April, um, or if it takes a little bit longer to cook in the oven with next gen and all of that. But we'll see. Any word on the VR stuff? Uh, it's rumored currently. Rumored. Uh, okay. Lot a lot of rumored articles in different months of the year saying that uh, it will be supported. So fingers crossed. Uh, it's clearly the same, at least uh, first person perspectives and. They've definitely been building that RE engine up. So hopefully it's still VR, but uh, seems more positive than I had originally come into this podcast thinking. Uh, next up, we had Deathloop, the stylish arcane game that's uh, you know, a time loop. And they introduced a new villain, and they introduced the concept of loop efficiency where you can manipulate the world in such a way that you can have two targets end up really close to one another so you can get multiple assassinations in a single life or loop which was really interesting i think this game looks cool i think the style is awesome obviously recently got delayed my one thing with this game max is they still have yet to completely explain the second player slash female assassin perspective like we know mm -hmm. she's hunting the guy while he's hunting the assassination targets but they don't explain like a how that multiplayer works does the female assassin have any other objectives outside of killing the other person is it a dark soul style thing where you can opt into the online where random people can join as her and if not she's just an ai like they haven't really explained how any of that works and it doesn't deter from how cool this game looks on paper but yeah. i just hope that they get into that soon because we're seeing the same thing of like hey here's the main guy Here's his loop. Here's cool stuff to do in the loop. And then they keep teasing the girl. They keep teasing her at the end of like, oh, remember, there's another assassin hunting you. Oh, remember, your life's in danger. But they have yet to actually explain that, you know, in any yeah, capacity. This, I, I feel like we keep seeing the same thing over and over and over. And it's slowly turning me off from the game. I, I like the core idea of you against another player fighting over the same or one of you is going for a target but you also have to be on the hunt it's kind of like an asymmetrical multiplayer element i like that but they need to start revealing some other stuff when this trailer actually started i thought they were um revealing some like free-to-play game to hold you oh, over multiplayer until the real yeah i thought that's yeah. what it was uh, i was like oh my gosh they're gonna pull a um a Fortnite in a sense and release a different version of this game before the real version of the game comes out um it didn't pan out that way, I think, thankfully. Um, but yeah, they need to push forward with this or be quiet until they're ready with a date and then they can reveal the rest of this. Yeah, agreed. Uh, next up, we got DMC5 Special Edition. It's going to be available digitally at launch for PS5. It was announced that it was also going to be available for Xbox Series X at launch digitally as well, so that's really cool. Uh, new playable characters, some new like DLC stuff. They also announced that if you don't want the special edition, the DLC that's included in the special edition can be bought separately, which is awesome as well. Uh, Capcom just making some positive moves there. Uh, next up, we had Oddworld Soulstorm. Uh, it's Oddworld. It's, that, that game is so at odds with its own 
like it tries to be comedic and then it tries to be dark and it's like ugh. It just, it's very the tone conflicting. Is all over the place. I don't understand it. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, next up, speaking of things I'm confused at, a new Five Nights at Freddy's game. Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach, which I wrote down first eh. real game in franchise, in quotes. And I'm not trying to be disparaging there, but a lot of the other Five Nights at Freddy's games are like you click and stuff. And this seems like there might be some 3D space movement where you're going through an area mm-hmm. that looks like an arcade of some sort. We might not be into it, but those Five Nights at Freddy's games sell extremely well and kids between the ages of five and 15 are going to lose their mind. So I, I totally agree. The only five nights at Freddy's games I've played is the VR one. Um, just because VR and horror just go so well together and it is, uh, it's jump scares. I mean, that's what it is. Uh, next up we had the demon souls remake, which looked beautiful. Uh, absolutely gorgeous. It's, impressive to see a from game look like that and i you know from software is my favorite developer but when they develop their games they're not going for graphical quality right they it's more about the moment-to-moment gameplay and the feel of the game and the level design so seeing a remaster like this that takes all the stuff from software did so expertly well and putting on a very beautiful coat of paint is astonishing uh no release date on that but we did get an extended uncut gameplay demo um, that kind of walk through one of the tutorial areas of the game le- leading to a boss fight. The one complaint I'm seeing is that they changed the font for the You Died screen, which is a very oh, uh, from software fan they? thing to complain about. <laughs> it's like they changed the screen that we hate seeing all the time. But uh, um, yeah, that's it, it's incredible. I, I'm interested to see if the rest of the From catalog in some capacity gets uh remix down the line obviously this is a unique case because this is something that was published by sony originally and they had their own in-house studios um yeah. remake this so obviously from would have to go to other places but it looks really cool and uh yeah it's it's beautiful uh honk. beautiful 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 honk, honk. um next up fortnite uh you know fortnite's a joke at this point and you know, I... don't like to talk about fortnite <laughs> but i thought it looked good like i was like oh okay i can see how this can improve on next gen i didn't expect like a graphical showpiece but i was like oh okay mm-hmm. i when the, when i heard the bus horn oh god because at this point in the stream i mean there's maybe two minutes left two three minutes left of the original like 40 minute runtime and I, at this point, I had retweeted my original comment about, oh, I can't wait for them to not talk about the price. Like, at this point, it was looking a little grim on, like, the actual news we really wanted to see. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, they're going to close with Fortnite, aren't they? The whole thing's going to just close with <laughs> Fortnite. And so I just lost it and was laughing. I was like, I can't believe <laughs> this is it. Um, but, of course, Fortnite is going to be there at launch. It's going to be there at launch on Xbox, like an Xbox Series X version, I'm sure, not just being able to play the Xbox One version. Um, but, of course, Fortnite's going to be there. Not a shocker. But it does help to, like, have the name there. Um, you know, it's another big title, and kids will look at it and go, ooh. It- Yes, I'll Fortnite. take this all day over that weird GTA 5 thing we got at the last presentation. That thing was that, and that opened the show. That was so off. Uh, uh. Um. Anyways, next up we got the PlayStation Plus Collection, which is 18 games available to play with no additional cost if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber. Uh, I don't want to go through the list of games, but there are a lot of games you'd expect, like it's, God of War and Persona Five, and um, they're, they're PS4 titles um, that you just basically get access to as a PS yeah. Plus subscriber. 
that's kind of the interesting thing here is that I made a tweet and I'm I'll likely be very off on this assumption. But we have a lack of clarity, shocker, I know from Jim Ryan and PlayStation <laughs> at this point. We have a lack of clarity on backwards compatibility. Like they've said 99% of the games will be backwards compatible. We know they're going to they're going to start off with hundreds of the most popular games or whatever they said. They still have yet to this day to clarify these set of games will be available day 1 backwards compatible, right? Have yet to say that. We don't know what's going to be available Correct. whereas Xbox has said Almost all of the games that currently work in backwards compatibility and are on Xbox One are going to be available day one. They've said that, right? And all of PlayStation's messaging, they've never literally said anything about day one. They said they're going to work on the PlayStation 5, but they've never given exact dates, right? And my assumption has been Xbox, right. it took years to have those games come out in waves. Like, it's not easy. So if anybody right. expects Especially all of them to be available titles. day one, exactly. If anybody expects them to be available day one for PS5, you're out of your damn mind. <laughs> My assumption is I wonder if alongside like Cyberpunk if these 18 games are the ones that will be available at launch date. You know what I mean? I That's what I'm curious about. Maybe I've just turned my brain off at this point on this particular point of backward compatibility with PS5, but I'm just I'm just going to assume they work. And if they don't, I'm I personally am not going to be upset. I still have my PS4. Like I can still play these games. By um, they're just going to work. You mean any of the PS4 games you currently own on disc are going to work day one? Correct. That is probably wrong. But that's just where I'm at right now. I'm just like, eh. Until they say otherwise, I'm just going to assume it. Um, because we know, we do know that Ghost of Tsushima and The Last of Us Part Two also will work with PS5. They've said that previously. They weren't a part of this PlayStation Plus collection. Uh, but we know they'll work. So at least there's. But have they said games. day one? I'd have because to that's the thing is they look. keep talking about these PlayStation Four games will work, and we understand that like that, yeah they will work. But in everything I've read, they have yet to specifically say when these games will work and which games will work day one. You know what I mean? That goes no, to my point of like you're absolutely right. There is a lack of specificity there. I. I would have to look up the previous articles. Um, maybe I can do that. Yeah, I just um, literally everything I've, I've read. Assumed day one. Yeah, I mean, there's. Which we'll get into this in the say. second half. There's a lot of stuff you can assume with PlayStation that apparently isn't the case, despite what they say for months. So I don't know. And I'm not a, like I'm not trying to bash PlayStation. I would love if everything works day one for all my friends who have their collections. I just don't want people to get overhyped and excited about that. Or even just assume it and then be disappointed. You know what I mean? I'm like, mm. yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, PlayStation Plus Collection is cool. I saw a lot of people comparing it to Game Pass. Despite it being really awesome, I don't think there's a whole lot to compare there necessarily. Um, I, I I get why people would be stoked about it, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm more cautious to see how exactly their approach is with this. If it's a rotating list of games, because just like with PlayStation now, they'll put a first party game in there for a couple of months and then take it out. So I wonder if this collection will be a rotating set of games. Also the fact that they call it PlayStation plus collection is confusing because some people are like, Oh yeah, these are all the games that have been on PlayStation plus for people to get. No, God of War has never been for PlayStation plus persona five has never five. been for PlayStation plus. No, you're, you're absolutely right. The, the name like makes sense and also doesn't make sense in this. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean that and it's, you need PlayStation plus to get it. And so it's called yes. the PlayStation plus collection. Wow. That, that is perfectly clear. What's not <laughs> clear is what games were included. Um, necessarily like was just because it doesn't matter. Um, the interesting thing I'm, uh, I can't wait to try is, are they only available like this? 
Like, does it does the backward compatibility thing go so far back and get so confusing that the only way to play God of War on my PS5 is to play it through this collection? Or since I own, I think I own God of War actually both physically and digitally. Long story. Um, you know, can I download my PS4 copy of the game and just play it? Do I need PlayStation Plus to play games I already own? Because you could go out and buy Persona yeah. Five for like twenty bucks now. Um, and if you don't want to subscribe to PlayStation Plus, can you still play them? Again, I'm assuming yes. If they're saying it works on PS5 through this collection, I assume it just means it works. And like you can put the disc in or you can put the uh, your download in. Um, but assuming is dangerous. So we'll see how it all shakes out here. And um, to your point, real quick though, th- this is also not streaming. These are games you download and play. Right. I would yes. clarify which, that. Yeah. Which is the uh, would be my preferred way to play any downloadable game. Game Pass, uh, the same yeah, thing. It was the best it. thing to happen to PlayStation Now recently that you could download games. So that's good. S- some of them. <laughs> Only some PS4 of them. Yes. <laughs> Caveat. Yes. Yeah, some of them. Uh, speaking of God of War, though, the show ended with uh, God of War two tease. Uh, it was obviously a voiceover go. by Kratos, and it said Ragnarok is coming. Um, the most surprising thing is that 2021. In no world do I believe this game comes out in 2021, unless it's something we're going to talk about a little bit later. Yeah, having to do good. I'm glad you're thinking on the same page as me. Excited to talk about that. We'll dig into that in a bit. You and Logan both don't think it's 2021. (laughs) Uh, I am, I am a fool when stuff like this gets announced. I'm all in. They're like, yeah, but really, every game gets delayed at this point, especially really big ones. But this is what I hoped they would close the show with, just like a confirmation that this game is real and exists. It was obvious from the sales and the reception of the God of War 2018 that there would be a, another God of War 2. I'm assuming the game is actually called God of War Ragnarok. Yeah, that's what I've been. Be the, yeah, yeah assuming so for a long time. It can't be called God of War 2. Like, it just can't. No. <laughs> I would, I would, my brain would break. Um but I'm just so glad that it's out there. Like, we can stop pretending that this game isn't actually what they're working well, on. It's like Fable, right? The Fable announcement where it's, yeah, it's mm-hmm. just kind of like a, a short animation and a logo. Um, oh, yeah. All this was was the logo in blue with some exactly. Snow, which and Well, and know, then the, the text, right? But Yeah. So, it, I, it's just a hype tease. It definitely is that PS4 vibe Sony. Um I don't. When the PS4 launched, that's when they put out the teaser for Uncharted Four. Um, yeah. You know, months after Uncharted Four released, they announced The Last of Us Part Two. Like Sony, particularly in the PS4 generation, was all about announcing their games far ahead of time, and then you know, is either to their benefit or detriment, depending on how you look at it. But they always were hyping up their next big release, which to me is exciting because it just gives that kind of electricity in the air and well i also think it helps developers because they don't have to keep swaying questions of what are you working on right uh, same thing with like nothing. people are wondering like elder scrolls 6 well to an extent elder scrolls 6 when is it happening i think never bethesda felt a lot of pressure of like let's just tell everybody hey our next game is going to be starfield and then it's going to be elder scrolls 6 here's a logo we're working on it i think with god <laughs> of war 2 part of the it was like hey, yeah, we're working on it. You guys already knew that, but we're just going to show you anyways. The mm-hmm. Fable and this are like my least favorite types of announcements, not because I don't want to know they exist. That's obviously great. But it's just like there's not a whole lot there. You kind of feel a little empty at the end of it. My yeah. At the very least, I like the avowed type of thing where it's mostly cinematic. You see some gameplay stuff towards the end, and then you reveal yeah. it, right? Um, mm-hmm. But 
I'm excited. I'm glad. I hope it's oh, yeah. 2021. I don't think it has a chance unless like we're about <laughs> to talk about. But um, next up, we're running a little long, so we got to get through some of this stuff. Uh, right, price and it. date was announced. Four ninety nine for the regular, three ninety nine for the digital version. Kind of what everybody assumed. It's launching November twelfth in the U.S., Japan, Mexico, Australia, New New Zealand, and South Korea. And it's launching a week later on November nineteenth in the rest of the world. We talked about it a bit. It's weird that Jim Ryan comes from the European Sony side of things. It's you know Sony's very or PlayStation is very European centric nowadays, and yet the U.K. didn't make the initial launch date. It's the staggered date of the nineteenth, which is odd. Pricing, about what I expected. I felt that there was a possibility it could be 6.5. Not that that was realistic, but I could have totally seen that happening. Um, But I'm glad it came in at about what we expected. Um, Yeah, anything about the price and date for you? The the date, I just, I'm excited that they launch both it and the Xbox Series X and S launch the same week. I think that's just exciting. You know, it's just that kind of fun new console launch. The price is so fascinating. Um, mostly the digital version, the $400 one, because it gives us this range that we've never had on a console launch before of 300 to $500. And both the PS5 with the hot disk drive and the Xbox Series X are price and feature parity in the sense that they both have like a disk drive and solid state and so-and-so. Yeah, there's differences on the technical level, but just as on a whole level they have parity but then the ps5 without a disk drive but has the exact same features as the right other ps5 runs games the exact same hundred dollars less than the xbox series x which like on paper is like they've undercut the series x by a hundred dollars that's like a you know quote quote win but then you've got the series s underneath it at three hundred dollars and so you get this really to me, just a fascinating uh, range here. And like, what are people going to pick? What are they going to prefer? Um, Options, man. It's great. <laughs> it is. It's really awesome. And obviously, Sony is eating the cost of the digital version up front. But they're going to make so much more money on the back end because all of the games, well, not every purchase has to go through their store. You could buy like a code on Amazon or GameStop and then redeem it. But most purchases are going through their store which they get obviously a bigger cut of than a physical game so i think that's smart for them to come in they've said that they had the price set much earlier in the year but it's just that range is super fascinating to me i'm curious to see not not so much the initial sales because demand is high supply is low theoretically for both consoles and i don't think that would be a great indicator but over time yeah, how I want to see out. what I want to see what sells. I want to see what's um, you know, how much more is the Series S selling than the digital PS5? Are the PS5 and Series X on parity in sale? Like, where where's this all gonna lie? What is Christmas gonna look like? All that stuff is super exciting to me. Um, we've never had a range like this before. They, it's great. It's so much fun. Well, the interesting thing too is like we're, we're we both know that like the digital version of the PS5 is losing money hand over fist. Like they're taking a loss for that, right? Deservedly so. They're going to make more money in the long run for that. I wonder if the Series X is losing more money than the PS5 at the five hundred dollar price because technically it's it's more powerful, right? But it's it's got those. The thing teraflops. we didn't talk about is the storage, right? So the PlayStation Five is mm. eight hundred and twenty five gigabytes of storage. 
and but, the Xbox is a terabyte. So uh-huh. I wonder if the Series I, X is taking a bigger loss of 500 than the PlayStation 5. Possibly, but also, this is, let, this is all theor- unconfirmed, theoretical. The hard drive expansion options on the Series X, like performance, like solid state expansion, I think you can still plug in a hard drive and it just moves games between the drives. Yeah, you but can use it for like want, backwards compatible titles or just random right. stuff, yeah. But if you want, let's just talk strictly Series X type games, the uh, memory card, we'll call it, there's that uh, Seagate expansion drive, terabyte that you plug in the back. That price, unconfirmed as of this recording, rumored to be like 220, 240-ish. Yeah, I think it's a little high. I think it'll be 150, I think. You would, I would hope, but... Let's just say it's 220 for the sake of discussion. For the sake of argument, rumors yeah. and times. We d- the PS5 is supposed to, according to Mark Cerny, have, you can user expand the drive with like a SSD NVMe card that just meets their speed spec, which is supposedly caught up to by now. How much will those cost? Because you could just go buy you know, what you would buy for a PC. Well, won't it be pseudo it proprietary in? though? Because he said that it's there, it's going to be stuff that's approved by them. I think he, I'd have to go back and get the specific quote, but I believe the language is like, wait for like our approved list or like specs that you need to make sure. You're yes. Going maybe for. not proprietary, like, but like a select, but it's like, uh, there's a certain threshold. These have to meet. wait until yeah. we tell you what kind to buy. Like, don't go buy one today. Wait. Um, and those could also cost, $220 who knows like it's all in the air but I'm curious where the external drive situation is also going to land for these because what? frankly a terabyte 800 gigabytes whatever you want to call it not enough for mo- even modern games look at Red Dead Redemption 2 Call of Duty The Last of Us Part 2 all 100 plus gigabyte games I feel like Call of Duty gets a like 20 gigabyte update weekly it's, it's on- 140 gigs right now on my Xbox One. Oh my gosh <laughs> It's gross. Like, you know, (laughs) you will be... I mean, there is argument, though, right, that the SSDs are going to allow people to not have to duplicate assets as much. So game sizes won't necessarily get much bigger. It's how much smaller will they get? Who knows? Right. It's it's so much is a mystery up in the air, and it's exciting because it's all new. But there's still a lot of price stuff that has to shake out, specifically in the storage realm. Um, It's... Ooh. I love this Like... You have to figure, right? A terabyte. We're probably getting like 920 at most, right? For the Xbox after oh, yeah, all the you system the and everything. And, yeah, that's but cool. then you have to think about the PlayStation. If it's 825, yeah. what are we looking at? Like 750? Like uh, that's uh, somewhere close it's to gonna there. Be, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm. Those prices are going to play a huge factor too because that the PlayStation expansion could go one of two ways. It could, I guess, three ways. It could be the same relative price as the Xbox. It could be more expensive because of the custom type of uh, SSD it has to be right or it has to hit the speeds. Or it could be cheaper because you'll have more options as opposed to one proprietary option, right? I don't know. It's going to be weird how it shakes out. We'll see. Um, let's get to this post-event fuster cluck, as I labeled it. I'm going to read through these. I have four different paragraphs, and you can let me know where you want to chime in, okay, Max? All right. Sounds good. So uh, probably you want to chime in after the first one, I assume. Uh, so pre-orders <laughs> were announced to go live on the 17th, which is the day after the event. Then immediately, retailers went live sporadically with their pre-order terminals, which Max has some information about how that happened. 
leading to confusion, anxiety, and anger, despite PlayStation marketing head Eric Lampel stating they'd give consumers plenty of lead time and advance notice during an interview with Jeff Keighley in July of 2020. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, this if you is... remember, he had this interview with him, and he was like, oh, we're not going to have people standing out in lines forever. We're going to have this lead up. We're going to give you plenty of time. You're going to know. Don't worry about it, um, mm -hmm. which isn't the first time somebody at the top of PlayStation said something and immediately backtracked on it. Well, not immediately. Eventually backtracked on it, or it didn't I... come out the way they said. Yes. it. They technically did give heads up. They... They didn't say this in the showcase at all, but eventually tweeted out, I th right? No, he did say in the show that pre-orders will start tomorrow, right? No, they didn't say anything in the pre-order in the in the show. Okay, then then it, then my memory is now correct. They tweeted it out later. Like eventually, yes. PlayStation confirmed that pre-orders would start tomorrow at select retailers, um, which would have been Thursday, and that was that's technically a heads up. Plenty of head time, no, but they gave it the the problem is what I've just seen on Twitter and kind of, I believe, pieced together with my very brief experience of retail when I worked at Kmart. Someone at Walmart flipped a switch and pre-orders from Walmart went up and then that sent every other retailer, Target, Best Buy, GameStop, Amazon, into eventually rolling it out sporadically throughout the evening. So what should have been like a chill evening turned into a constantly checking Twitter and having notifications for like Wario 64 on to know when these things went up. Best Buy crashed, Target was in and out. Um, while I was like grocery shopping when Walmart went up and I, I knew right then I was like, I'm going to regret not getting this Walmart pre-order, aren't I? <laughs> um, so it just turned into like retailers flipping switches at random times. So there was no confirmation at all. Um, I did get one on Amazon, and then today, as we're recording, got an email saying, uh, demand is high. These may not arrive on the day that they're released. I don't know, because it's so early, I don't know if this is just Amazon, like, hedging themselves a little bit. Um, yeah, or protecting not. themselves. Yeah, just be like, hey, uh, this may not show up on time. Don't be disappointed. Uh, if it's a day late, like, I'm fine with that. If it's three months late, I'm going to be kind of upset. Uh, so we'll just see... You know, two months, a lot can happen. It's this, this, this initial rush. PlayStation did their direct sales today, which were much better because um, they actually had like a queue and line and things like that. I am curious how Xbox is going to go on Tuesday. We have the date, the time, and the retailers. Uh, the question is, how will those retailers handle it? Which is outside of Microsoft's control except their own store. So, to that point, though, we got... It's not super confirmed, but according to Jeff Keighley... <laughs> which you should take with a grain of salt. Apparently, Xbox will be penalizing retailers by lowering allocations if they break these embargoes. So hopefully these times hold, according to him. Obviously not yeah. confirmed, but if that is the case, uh, it's them hoping that this situation with PlayStation doesn't happen to them either. So we'll see. Right, and I, I really do hope it goes much better. I really, really, really do. Um, mostly because I'm getting, you know, you know, I want to get both of these. So it's just been a mess as far as retailers go. And it's it's not entirely Sony's fault. Sony definitely has a role to play in this, for sure. They're the ones that, you know, give the supply to the retailers and could, you know, they could have done the same thing as Microsoft is supposedly doing. Like, they play a I big think, role. But Walmart I, also plays a role. 
Exactly. The thing I want to say, though, is I think the best thing they could have done that would have slightly changed people's perceptions is they had the email thing where you could sign up and based on your activity with PlayStation, you would have got the email earlier and you could exclusively order yours, right? Right. Well, I think that would have gone off better if those emails started rolling out earlier uh, and people knew about that because what happened is that all of this oh, pre-order madness happened. People were scrambling to do this stuff. People were like, wait, didn't I sign up for a weird email thing? And then after all of this, people worrying about getting their consoles fighting through terminal after terminal trying to get to checkout, they finally were starting to get their invite their their invites to their emails, that right? absolutely happened to me. I was up at 11.42 p.m., got the Amazon order, and I kid you not, 15 minutes later, I got my PS5 uh, early pre-order directly from Sony. If I had gotten that email right after the show, I would have coasted i would have i would have tried to get best buy because that's my preferred retailer to like go pick it up at um but i definitely would have not felt as worried or stressed well, it would alleviate out. two it, things right yeah it would reduce stress for people and reduce some of the internet vitriol obviously you can't get rid of it all oh. and two all it would lessen the pool of people scrambling to try to get their console because you would have the set amount of people that are like I got my set time. I'm going to buy it then. Mm -hmm. I'm good, right? I think the system they put in place was brilliant. I think if they would have just moved it a little bit and executed a little bit better alongside the Walmart stuff, which obviously they didn't know was going to happen, but these companies also have to have fallback plans because they don't know what's going to happen. Look at Xbox with the leak of the Xbox One S, right? Oh, my Series gosh, S. yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. so like I think it was a really cool system. I just wish they tweaked it a little bit and it was rolled out a little bit better. Ab um, absolutely. Next up, this isn't really a complaint or mis mixed messaging necessarily. And this Straight is something up. why I'll always defend Xbox saying during their presentations, launch exclusive. And people are like, what does that mean? It's like, oh, it's launching exclusive on the console. I don't know why it's so hard to understand. Because with Final Fantasy 16, despite it being labeled as a PS5 exclusive during the presentation, Tom Phillips, a Eurogamer, is reporting that trusted industry analyst Piers Harding's roles was told by Sony it was a six-month full exclusive, meaning after six months it'll come to PC, and a console exclusive for 12 months, which is what we saw with Final Fantasy VII Remake, or at least what we assume. Square Enix refused to clarify after Phillips reached out for a comment. And like I said, this isn't like terrible or anything, but I do, I wish it was a little bit clearer in the messaging. Obviously it's better for PlayStation if in the first reveal of that game, it says PlayStation five exclusive, but it right. is a little weird. And it's, that's it's why just I like this weird exclusivity thing and how much did Sony pay? And there's probably part of the contract is probably to not talk about when these things get, you know, yep. so it's just, that's the way exclusive stuff goes now. That's just unfortunately kind of the way it goes. And these, these big deals um sony still gets that association up front so it's still good for sony um it's more just a big question mark for people hoping for a pc port and an xbox port which i wholeheartedly believe will eventually come i mean they've uh final fantasy uh, well final fantasy was 15 was cross-platform i don't think they go back i think it's pretty clear that playstation just paid to have it exclusive for a time being you know what i mean yeah and that's that's, and that's you know that's the move they wanted to make yeah, and I'm like like I said, I'm not complaining about that. Like I'd much rather have a timed exclusive than the Spider-Man Marvel's Avengers situation where they're getting a completely different character the Xbox can't get, yet you both pay sixty bucks for the game. That stuff's real crappy to me, like exclusive content. This it's like, okay, I'll I'll play the game in a year from now or whatever, or I'll buy a PlayStation. Like I think the game thing is a lot different. It's just the weird messaging, right? And that's why I said, as corny and weird as it sounds to hear like launch exclusive, 
at least it's clear. You know what I mean? You know what that is, but yeah, uh, so neither I here nor like there. The, voice. the real interesting thing. Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Sackboy's oh. Big Adventure, which I think is what that game's called, and Horizon Forbidden West announced as PS4, PS5 cross-gen titles, despite Jim Ryan stating in May of 2020 during a GamesIndustry.biz interview by Christopher Dring, quote, We have always said that we believe in generations. We believe that when you go to all the trouble of creating a next-gen console, that it should include features and benefits that the previous generation does not include, which he didn't lie about. And that, in our view, people should make games that can make the most of those features. So, also true. But yes, let's. But, and this so isn't the only interview. He said multiple times, this. like we believe in generations. We believe when you buy a new console, you should have games specifically mm-hmm. for that console. Yada yada yada. Along with this, Jim Ryan also stated in an interview with the Washington Post that the PS4 com- quote the PS4 community will continue to be incredibly important to us for three or four years. And that while many will transition to PS5, tens of millions will still be engaged with the PS4. Which, from a business perspective, it never made, made sense why they were trying to cut the cord on the PS4 Let's, with the 110 million plus units out there. It's, it's just their exactly. messaging of like, we believe in generations. Whereas Xbox was like, no, we want you to play wherever you own stuff. And in the last couple of weeks, that's flip-flopped where now Xbox has more confirmed next-gen exclusive only games than PlayStation and they've kind of backpedaled on their yeah we're not gonna have exclusive games for the first two years whereas now PlayStation is like you know no we're gonna support it for three to four years we do have cross-gen titles uh they kind of met in the middle it's very weird <laughs> Super they both weird. started in opposite ends and they kind of just filtered to the middle of it um and I want to talk about obviously Horizon Forbidden West being cross-gen because I think that is much more telling and I guess worrisome might be too strong of a word. The Spider-Man thing makes sense to me. You know what I mean? It's like Spider-Man, whatever. Spider-Man makes total sense to me for for two reasons. Um, Insomniac has been, and Spider-Man, have been very closely tied to PS5 development from the beginning. Um, the early discussions and reveals of the PS5 always talked about how fast the SSD was. The game they always showed the example of was Spider-Man. Like, Spider-Man clearly has been tweaked to the PS5 in some regard. Well, behind closed doors, right? We've never publicly right. seen those things. Yeah. No, a video came out of them. It was leaked. It was a sideways yeah. angle of a camera. Yeah. yeah. That's good stuff. Uh, that's the stuff well, I'm saying for. they haven't presented that to us. True. We've seen it. Oh, that's it. fair. They've never, they've never put up a video <laughs> that said, yeah, all right. Which is dumb. Are. They should have. And that's a whole other discussion. I mean, they could now. Who knows? Yeah. Um, it's going to be so like Spider-Man makes sense like that just has been tweaked and they bought them for a lot of money and uh, it clearly is paying off for them and Ratchet and stuff. Then Sackboy. Sackboy ain't demanding on the PS. It's a family title. What is this title? Yeah, this is uh, it's fine. Sackboy can be on both. Like there's that doesn't seem like it's a hard transition. But Horizon Forbidden West. What? Are you kidding me? Um it's this as disappointing is... as Halo Infinite, honestly. It's like you'd expect these games to be the graphical showpieces where they're being able to focus mm-hmm. on one piece of hardware. Not saying that they won't be able to do that, but it's like, really? That game's cross-gen? You know? And it's, That's to me, to me it says, now, I've been, I've been writing a piece for my, my blog, but this is kind of my gist on this Horizon bit, is it says to me that it is not taking uh, advantage, specific advantage, of the PS5 in the sense of something that only the PS5 can do. Look at yeah. Ratchet and Clank, and it's like instantaneous, completely dimension-swapping world-loading. That, like, I assume, I'm 
really, really assuming <laughs> that Ratchet cannot run on the PS4 because of the demands of the speed that it that takes. So to me, it already says that Horizon Forbidden West has a cap. It will take advantage of the PS5. It will be in ray tracing. It will probably run 4K, possibly 4K60. Let's just say it 4K60 for the heck of it. Um, you know, it's going to run. It's going to look great. It's going to sound really good. It's going to use that engine. But it's not going to be taking explicit advantage of the the new opportunities that this technology provides because it is automatically handicapped or not handicapped it's automatically like tied to this ball and chain that is the shape of the ps4 from 2013 and that limits how high it can go performance and like feature wise like it limits their design to game design that we've been using for the past eight years and maybe for an open world exploration action adventure game, it's not all that bad. Like, you know, we've been, Sony in particular has been making tons of those exclusives. It makes sense. Um, it's just such a bummer. Like, I think it's more of a bummer than Halo Infinite because we knew Halo Infinite before we knew about, like, the Xbox series. Yeah. X. Like, Horizon was announced with the PS5, and it just, like, that association, like we were just talking about with Final Fantasy 16, like automatically to everyone said, this is a PS5 exclusive title. Um, but now it's like, oh, well, it's not going to be as big. Is this still going to be a great game? Is it still going to run really well? Is it still going to look and be great on PS5 and presumably PS4? Yeah, of course. They're a solid studio. Um, and Horizon's first outing was really good. But it does limit how high it can go. Um, I also, though, take this to mean... Um, that Horizon is coming much sooner than I expected. I think Horizon is like a spring 2021 game. Yeah, I, the the thing the thing we have to talk about too is that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I could be totally off base with this, but I'm pretty sure the Series X has machine learning and PS5 doesn't, right? I don't know off the top of my head. I can look. So, I'm pretty sure. Let's I tried doing a little correct. bit of googling while you were talking, and from. Everything I quickly saw, there is upscaling, but I don't know if it's actually using machine learning. The only reason I bring that up <clears throat> is that these games that are tied to these previous generation of consoles, the machine learning can help them benefit to reach the higher highs despite being held back, right? So I wonder how that's going to play into account of Halo Infinite reaching those next-gen highs and something like Horizon Forbidden West reaching those highs because machine learning is insane and can do so much uh, on the back end with little to no work from, you know, manual labor. So th that's intriguing. Like I said, I'm not sure. I could totally be wrong, but I don't remember Cerny ever mentioning machine learning, whereas that's been a stickling point for the Xbox hardware team of mentioning machine learning. Based off um, what I've quickly gathered, I think you're right. Um, one Reddit commenter <laughs> says <laughs> um, that uh, it's possible that Sony hasn't invested specifically in machine learning as much just because they don't make products that necessarily use that, while Microsoft as a whole does. Um, look at Which makes sense. I mean, which does make sense. You know, yeah. Xbox has <laughs> way more money at hand <laughs> yeah. to do and experiment and cross- uh, teams and whatnot so it we'll see how it shakes out for horizon um i do actually now i really hope it is a spring kind of title uh, we do see more of it much sooner um, because of this because sackboy and spider-man are launch titles for the ps5 i feel like 
Horizon is also not well, terribly far away. Before we get to the closing of the show, the other thing I want to say is it could be the reason why God of War 2, God of War Ragnarok could hit 2021 is it if is. it is also tied to the PS4. You know what I mean? It is a cross-gen title. I will. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm very curious where that will go. But I think that another kind of... We've talked about how Microsoft and Sony have met in the middle in this cross-gen support on some level. But what's interesting is Sony is essentially... They've now set us some form of a standard with three titles, but they've basically have a book of blank checks. And going forward, they can say they you know, they can write the check out to PS5 exclusive or cross gen title, and then f- filter that as they go until they're finally done in three to four years to cut the ties with their 125 million PS4s and only move forward on PS5. But Microsoft. And you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but they've promised two years of support for cross-gen titles on their first-party games, and then they that's initially promised that. Right, initially. and now that's slightly vague because, of like their a vowed, right? Yeah. A vowed is specifically labeled as a Xbox Series X only title, and yeah. that game, from some of the rumblings and rumors, that game could be coming out in the next two years. Fable as well is listed as a Series X only title, and that game could be coming out in the next two years. So, so there could be some vagueness Microsoft's there. Of not like, going to put any games out in the first two years, <laughs> so they get to keep their promise. Like Halo, well, obviously. Let's look at Halo. Halo is going to run on seven different versions of Xbox. Well, remember, there's rumors that that might be pulling the plug Cut on too. Yeah. So who so knows? It's very Xbox weird. Xbox is very vague, but at least Sony, while they have an initial confusion and backlash they at least have technically set themselves up to not disappoint people because they get to they get to dictate what is and is not cross-gen instead of some expectation that everything or nothing is but we can't totally blame xbox on that because unlike playstation they don't really have big titles coming out like if halo infinite came out this fall we'd be they'd have a clear message as well right it's just that sony happens to have three games with releases i guess I'm Horizon is a weird one because Horizon doesn't have a release date. Yeah. yeah. So my hope is God of War is a PS5 exclusive because that, uh, especially, you know, with all the. I hope so. Uh, That's a game that like, here's the thing right now. With the one shot, the one shot approach of God of War would definitely benefit from the. SSD loading because, you know, you walk through the tree and stuff like clearly that's the game loading disguised in the load times. But, I wanted to get to this at the end of the show, but here's the thing: mm-hmm. is that like I'm buying a Series X this fall. I was gonna buy yeah. a PS5. The thing is, Miles mm-hmm. Morales, which was the game I was gonna buy a PS5 for, is coming out on the PS4. So I'm just gonna save money there, right? Obviously, I'm gonna have a lesser yeah. experience. I understand that by now, but I'd rather pay fifty dollars than five fifty, or four fifty, I guess. But I didn't want the digital one. Um. Anyways, now I was looking at okay, like what's the next big PlayStation game that I have to buy the PS5 for? Horizon. I'm assuming that could be spring. I'm just going to buy that on PS4. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm hoping God of War is PS5 only to give me a reason because, and I, you know, it works both ways with, somebody could say this from the uh, the PlayStation perspective for the Xbox. For me as a primary Xbox guy, I want a reason to be able to buy the PS5 and justify spending that money because right now, since it's my secondary console and I can play those exclusives on something I already own, I want a reason to buy the new piece of hardware, right? So I'm hoping mm-hmm. God of War is just a PS5 game. So by next fall, fingers crossed, even though I'm with Logan on this one, uh, I get to buy a PS5. You know, we'll see. 
Um, the other thing I wanted to mention that we didn't mention is Sony kind of confirming that next gen games are going to be seventy dollars, at least a lot of their titles. And then the weird thing with Demon Souls being eighty euros, which is with conversion rates ninety five dollars. I mean, here in I mean, if you pre-order it here in the states, it's seventy. So that exactly, yeah. But I'm saying yeah. it's 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 odd. Oh, in other obviously, but there's in other places, something to do with yeah. It's, it's yeah. just weird. Uh, um. Yeah, buckle up, everybody. We gotta pay seventy dollars for our video games now, which makes sense. Honestly, games are bigger and more expensive than ever before, um, and there are plenty of games I've bought in the past three years I would pay seventy, eighty dollars for uh, the Witcher. And 3. if I'm being honest, most of the time I pay the ten extra bucks for whatever pre-order bullshit I want with the cosmetic or something, anyways. Mm-hmm. So I'm often paying sixty nine ninety nine anyway. So it's like whatever. Yeah. So not a not a total shocker. I it is an interesting range of prices though because. Um, you know, Spider-Man is 50, but then if you get the ultimate one that comes with Spider-Man Remastered, it's 70. Um, Demon Souls is 70, but Sackboy, I think, is 50 then, man, or 60. Them taking the uh, control approach by 505 Games where you're only getting that remastered version if you uh, buy that bundle. And then, yeah. oh, man, I don't know if you saw, there was a fake tweet today from a parody Insomniac account that tweeted, we heard your feedback uh, owners of Spider-Man will get the remastered version, and a bunch oh. of people thought it was real because it looked the part, and it was actually oh, no. a parody account, not a good look. Um, and like I get it, you shouldn't be entitled and stuff. That's a whole other conversation. Um, we are running a little bit long, so we're not going to have time to fully delve into what we've been playing. I just wanted to mention some stuff real quick. Picked up Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. I've always been mm. more of a skate guy. I'm less of a combo person, more of a simulation person. Still having a blast with though. Incredible. Uh, Activision, despite some of their very gross macro transaction stuff they've been doing recently, that's kind of soured them more so than EA in my eyes personally. They've been killing it with these these remakes. Love the Crash one, love the Spyro one. I'm really enjoying Tony Hawk Pro Skater one and two, one plus two, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel's Avengers. It's not a great game, but boy, am I addicted to it. Uh, Sounds it like is destiny. the typical games as service comes out. If you love it, you're going to stick with it despite its you know problems. If you don't like it, you're going to bounce out as soon as possible. What I will say for me personally is I think it has the strongest narrative out of any of the games of service games I've played. Destiny's was kind of forgettable, blah. Uh, This one, especially as a comics guy personally, I really enjoyed it. Kamala being the lead character is super dope for representation. Um, I like all of the performances, which if you look at the voice cast, duh, they're super talented folks. It's the Troy Baker, Laura Bailey crew with Nolan North and Travis Willingham. And then the newcomer with... I'm sorry, I don't know their names for Kamala and for Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America. Anyways, I'm currently grinding through Captain America, trying to get him to power level 150, regular level 50. Has a bunch of issues, but I'm enjoying playing with it. Uh, There's an update that's supposed to be coming out that's going to fix a lot of the issues. So real quick, I'm not going to fully explain this, Max, but there's certain doors that have chests behind them that can only be opened by certain characters, right? That makes sense. Oh, of course. If it's a hack door... (laughs) Black Widow can only open it if it's uh, like a large door that's like kind of smashing. Only Hulk can whatever, whatever. Oh yeah. If you're playing so with three it's other video AI game. teammates and you're not controlling the character that can open the door, you would assume. Well, if I have the guy, so if I have a Hulk door and I'm not playing as Hulk, but Hulk's on my fire squad, the AI should be smart enough to just go and open that, right? No. No. Uh, <laughs> of course not. But but apparently the the new update that's going to be coming out, it's a pretty massive update. It's fixing a lot of stuff. Is going to implement that a lot with a lot of other accessibility options. So that's good. Good. What I'll say is this is a strong seven to seven point five. But I do think it has a lot of promise. If they're able to hit that monthly new hero 
uh, schedule with like the narrative beats in it, I think it'd be mm. really successful. Um, and I'm excited, obviously, for Kate Bishop Hawkeye coming next month, and then Clint Barton after that. Uh, but yeah, a lot of issues. Still addicted to it, loving every minute of it. Uh, and that's pretty much it for me. I play the normal stuff. I play like Warzone, all that's not too interesting. Real quick, what have you been playing? Um, restarted The Last of Us Part Two for the third time yep. <laughs> uh, on grounded difficulty. I just kind of had this itch. I was just like, I want to play this game again, and I, I kept saying to myself. I know this is crazy. I've already played it twice. Like, I don't need to play this again. But Do you often play games over and over again? Um, one The ones I really, really love, Um, ironically, it's most Naughty Dog games. I've played the Uncharted games, I think, three to four times a piece. I did this similarly with Uncharted 4 when it came out, but I only did it twice in one year um, for the Platinum. But this, I just, I don't know, I had a niche, so I wanted to play it, Um, which is fine. I've also been playing uh, the original Paper Mario game and... um. Donkey Kong Country I've been playing so I've gotten a little retro Nintendo vibe in and then this but today uh, Super Mario 3D All-Star showed up so I'll probably dabble in that as well that's going to be my Christmas present I want to hop in 64 around Christmas so I'm just holding off I'm like I don't need to buy it right now to your point of like the games we talked about earlier plenty of stuff to currently play be addicted to the subpar Avengers game you know (laughs) have a blast now I don't need to hop into Super Mario 3D All-Stars if you get Mario as a gift like someone else gives it to you physically for whatever reason um you should you should film yourself opening it just like uh that old video of the kid opening oh yeah (laughs) well i'm certainly gonna get it for myself uh yeah you have to by march (laughs) exactly that's a whole oh god uh anyways before we head out max please let the people know where they can find you on the internet uh the people may find me on twitter at max roberts 143 and you can find my writing over at my website, maxfrequency.net. Uh, I've got a couple of posts about the PlayStation and stuff. Since I've been back to work, um, I haven't been able to write as much. But um, I try to get a couple of posts up there a week. Um, and I just like writing there. So maxfrequency.net is where you can find me. Awesome. Uh, if you can, please follow Controlled Interests on iTunes or Spotify. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It definitely helps. Um, if you go over to YouTube, search controlled interest, will pop right up. Sub to us. If you enjoy the podcast, like the videos, if you like them, leave me a comment. I read all of them, especially the weird, like adult centric bot ones that I have to delete and mark as spam that are mm-hmm. happening on YouTube that happen so weirdly. Uh, so hopefully you're not one of those people. So I don't delete your comment. Um, but on Twitter, you can follow us at CTRL, CTRLINT. That's controlled interest abbreviated. And you can follow me personally at Jared underscore. Thank you, Max, for talking about PlayStation and Nintendo for two hours. One of our longest podcasts in recent memory. Try to hit an hour to an hour and a half, but just so much to talk about. Enjoyed it. Um, yeah, thank you. Hopefully you come back. Sometime. Yeah, oh, of course. Thank you for having me. Maybe uh, when the Switch Pro is inevitably revealed in February, <laughs> uh, I'll be back for that. And uh, maybe once, the P- I don't know. We'll see what happens. Who knows? Jim we'll Ryan will say something crazy. <laughs> thank you guys for listening to episode 206. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye.